Good afternoon, and welcome to ShotSpotter's first quarter 2021 earnings conference call. My name is Claudia, and I will be your operator for today's call. Joining us are ShotSpotter CEO, Ralph Clark, and CFO, Alan Stewart. Please note that certain information discussed on the call today will include forward-looking statements about future events and ShotSpotter's business strategy and future financial and operating performance. These forward-looking statements are only predictions and are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that are difficult to predict and may cause the actual results to differ materially from those stated or implied by those statements. Certain of these risks and assumptions are discussed in ShotSpotter's SEC filings including its registration statement on Form S-1. These forward-looking statements reflect management's beliefs, estimates, and predictions as of the date of this live broadcast, May 11, 2021. And ShotSpotter undertakes no obligation to revise or update any forward-looking statements to reflect events or circumstances after the date of this call. Finally, I would like to remind everyone that this call will be recorded and made available for replay via a link available in the Investor Relations section of the company's website at ir.shotspotter.com. Now, I would like to turn the conference over to ShotSpotter CEO, Ralph Clark. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, and good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. I hope everyone out there is doing well. It certainly has been a challenging 14 months for all of us. And while significant progress is being made in the fight against COVID, and it feels like things might be getting back to some form of normalcy, we recognize that is not the case everywhere. I would like to extend my well wishes to all of our families, friends, colleagues, and customers that have been impacted by COVID. As usual, I'll start with a quick overview of the quarter in our operational outlook before Alan details the quarterly results. We will then take your questions. After a strong finish to year-end 2020, we have continued to build on our momentum with a fast start to 2021. We're very pleased with our first quarter results, which exceeded our expectations both at the top and bottom line. We reported record revenues of $15 million, up 44% from Q1 of 2020, and had quarterly adjusted EBITDA of $3.3 million, up 53% year-over-year, once again demonstrating the unique operating leverage of our business. During the quarter, we went live in six new cities with ShotSpotter Respond, including Detroit, Memphis, Harris County, Texas, Pompano Beach, Florida, McKeesport, Pennsylvania, and Mansfield, Ohio. We also expanded our deployments in five cities, including New York City, St. Louis, Worcester, Savannah, and Wilmington, North Carolina. Mansfield and McKeesport are examples of our Tier 4 and Tier 5 go-to-market initiative. We're very pleased with the progress in this market vertical, where our pipeline not only continues to grow, but is also exhibiting shorter, accelerated sell cycles. Even with the robust go-live activity in Q1, we still enter Q2 with a solid number of new city and expansion projects in the ShotSpotter Respond deployment pipeline, that we expect to go live in the next 60 to 90 days. As travel restrictions have eased, these impending projects are keeping our project and customer success teams happily busy introducing new customers to the ShotSpotter value proposition and helping grow the positive community impact of ShotSpotter respond deployments with existing clients that are expanding their footprint. It is exciting to vicariously experience the difference our technology is making in helping improve public safety outcomes and improved community engagement. Recently, Chief James Craig of Chicago PD held an impromptu press event 24 hours after going live with ShotSpotter Respond. He detailed a ShotSpotter alert with no corresponding 911 call where his officers were dispatched. After immediate response and then follow-on investigation, including a court-issued search warrant based in part on the ShotSpotter alert, Detroit PD was successful in uncovering an illegal gun manufacturing site where several weapons and equipment used to make weapons were seized. When surveying the location post-incident, 
Detroit PD also discovered over 75 shell casings in the backyard of the subject house, indicating this home had been a neighborhood nuisance for months, again, without a single 911 call for service. It is only because of the shot spotter alert, which was probably the result of a test firing of a crime gun being sold, that Detroit PD was made aware of this public safety hazard. Detroit PD's successful intervention and shutting down of the criminal operation effectively eliminated a dangerous supply source of untraceable ghost crime guns. It is quite possible those guns could be responsible for terrorizing any number of neighborhoods in, around, and even beyond Detroit. Even more affirming to our mission is when we hear about the selfless heroics involved in officers getting to a shot spot alert where they find a gunshot wound victim and are able to apply life-saving trauma interventions directly or through scoop and go. Recently in Chicago, officers Ward and Givens were responding to a shot spotter alert and found a 13-year-old gunshot wound victim as a result of a drive-by shooting. With no time to waste, they scooped up the critically wounded child and transported him to the University of Chicago Medical Center within minutes. Their quick thinking and fast action likely saved the victim's life and certainly earned the gratitude of the child's mother who stated, quote, I'm highly grateful for you guys. Thank you. That was a wonderful job, end quote. We're grateful as well. To be able to design and deploy technology that is making a difference and to be able to do work that matters is rewarding. God bless Officers Ward and Givens, who only recently joined the police department. Officer Ward stated she was motivated to become a police officer because she had a personal calling to help people and a desire to preserve life. These growing positive narratives against the backdrop of increased violent crime and calls for law enforcement to address crime, but to do so in a more efficient, effective, and equitable fashion is inspiring law enforcement agencies, small, medium, and large, across the nation to engage with us as a proven solutions provider. With a rapidly improving municipal funding environment, fueled by federal stimulus and soon-to-be earmark provisions, we believe this provides us ample budgetary resources for agencies to procure and use our services and is providing a strong tailwind to our business. The stimulus dollars going in the cities from the federal government are having a measurable and beneficial impact on our business. In terms of new customers, we're seeing prospects that had been on the bubble evaluating shots fired decide to move forward quickly and through the sales funnel process. In another case, an existing customer who had publicly stated their intentions not to renew due to financial constraints did a 180-degree pivot and not only decided to renew but also expand their ShotSpotter Respond coverage. We are quite encouraged with our renewal retentions efforts overall, including our ability to implement cost-of-living adjustments or COLA increases on a selected number of renewals this year. We believe we will come in well below our previous estimate of 3 to 4% gap revenue attrition, which ultimately increases our top-line revenue growth. International, however, is still presenting some short-term challenges to us, as our key focus areas in South Africa and Latin America have not been able to turn the corner completely on mitigating the impact of the virus pandemic. We continue to appropriately invest some of our time, talent, and treasure in those markets to protect the key relationships and pipeline we've built to date. Our goal is to be ready to engage commercially with those opportunities when it becomes practicable. Shotspotter Connect, on the other hand, appears to be hitting its stride and is showing a very encouraging ramp to date within our existing Shotspotter Respond installed base. The Shotspotter Connect traction enables us not only to grow share of wallet within existing customer accounts, but also to add value and make impact beyond acoustic gunshot detection with a robust patrol management solution. We've initiated a focus marketing campaign to build ShotSpotter Connect pipeline outside of our install base. I expect to see some measurable booking success on that front later this year and early into next year. I'm happy to report that the integration of our leads acquisition is going very well. Their senior leadership team is now able to offload much of the administrative minutia involved in being a standalone business by leveraging our back office infrastructure. This has freed them up to invest even more time and energy on their customer-facing professional services activities and their work with us on ShotSpotter Investigate development. We've been able to quickly form a productive, collaborative working relationship rooted in our shared values that has enabled us to launch ShotSpotter Investigate ahead of schedule. 
This morning, we officially announced the availability of the investigative case management solution for demonstration and sale, including new functionality and integration with ShotSpotter Respond. ShotSpotter Investigate completes the third pillar of our precision policing platform and is exactly what police departments need at this critical juncture. It extends our total addressable market and leverages our strength and entry point from our gunshot detection heritage. As a result of our performance this quarter and forward momentum, we're raising our previous full year 2021 revenue guidance of 58 to $60 million to 60 to $61 million, representing 32% revenue growth from 2020 to 2021. Our guidance raise is driven by the improving demand environment for our core shots fire response solution, including its stronger retention, increased upsell of our shots fire connect offering, and better visibility into the Q2 and early Q3 go live cadence of both ShotSpotter Respond and ShotSpotter Connect. Ellen will review more of the puts and takes that goes into our guidance along with a deeper dive on the results. And I look forward to taking your questions once he's finished. Alan, over to you. Thank you, Ralph. We're very pleased with our performance in the first quarter. As Ralph mentioned, we added six new response cities this quarter we're only seeing attrition from one small site-secure deployment. We also had five response city expansions achieve record revenue and record gross profit. It is noteworthy that there has been some abatement of the budget challenges for our current customers and potential new ones as federal stimulus has brought customers back to the table in early 2021. We are pleased with a minor Q1 attrition, which continues the trend of lower-than-expected seen in 2020. While encouraging, ShotSpotter sales organization remains focused on generating new and expanding current programs to achieve growth targets while offsetting attrition. As Ralph mentioned, we are expecting our actual attrition will come in well below our previous estimate of 3 to 4%. Let me provide more details in the quarter, and then I will share some thoughts around the balance of the year. First quarter revenues were ahead of expectations at $15 million an impressive 44% increase over the $10.5 million in the first quarter of 2020. Revenue increased as our deployed miles are up year over year, and we also recorded our first full-year quarter of revenue from the Leeds acquisition. Gross profit for the first quarter of 2021 was $8.7 million, or 58% of revenue, versus $6.1 million, or 58% of revenue, for the prior year period. Gross margin will continue to be minorly impacted as we started replacing 3G sensors at the beginning of the second quarter. That said, we still expect gross margins to continue to improve as we proceed through 2021. We also saw impressive growth in adjusted EBITDA for the first quarter, which was $3.3 million, a 53% increase from the $2.2 million in the first quarter of 2020. As a reminder, adjusted EBITDA is calculated by taking our gap net income and adding back interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, impairment, stock-based compensation, and acquisition-related expenses. Turning to our expenses, our operating expenses for the first quarter were $8.5 million, or 57% of revenue, versus $6.1 million, or 59% of revenue, in the first quarter of 2020. Operating expense increases were primarily related to higher legal and employee-related costs, as well as incremental costs related to our leads acquisition. Breaking down our expenses, sales and marketing expense for the first quarter was $3.9 million, or 26% of total revenues, versus $2.5 million, or 24% of total revenue for the prior year period. Our sales and marketing teams continue to build our sales pipeline and expand our marketing efforts. We continue to focus on maintaining high levels of customer satisfaction which helps keep our attrition rates low. We also expect to add sales capacity for our Investigate product in Q2 to position this revenue segment for growth in 2022. Our R&D expenses for the second quarter were $1.7 million, or 11% of total revenue, compared to $1.4 million, or 13% of total revenue for the prior year period. We continue to invest in increasing the functionality of our products with a focus on cost efficiency. GNA expenses for the quarter were $2.9 million, or 19% of total revenue, 
compared to $2.3 million, or 22% of total revenue for the prior year period. The increase in G&A expenses in absolute dollars were primarily related to our leads acquisition and an increase in legal costs and cost-related personnel. Our adjusted net income for the first quarter was $244,000, or $0.02 per share based on $11.6 million basic, and $0.02 per share based on $11.9 million diluted weighted average shares outstanding. This compares to $13,000, or $0.00 per share based on $11.3 million basic and $11.7 million diluted weighted average shares outstanding for the prior year period. Adjusted net income, a non-GAAP financial major, is calculated by taking our GAAP net income and back acquisition-related expenses. When accounting for acquisition-related expenses, our GAAP net income was $79,000, or $0.01 per share, basic and diluted for the quarter. Deferred revenue at the end of the quarter was $25 million versus $24.6 million at the end of Q4 2020. We ended the quarter with $10.9 million in cash and cash equivalents versus $16 million at the end of the fourth quarter. Cash is slightly lower as we are waiting for some payments of large receivables expected to be received soon. During Q1, we also repurchased approximately 56,000 of our shares at an average price of $39.02 or $2.2 million. We have no short or long-term debt outstanding, and as previously discussed, we possess a $20 million line of credit to improve financial flexibility. Turning to our full year 2021 outlook, we are raising our full year guidance from $58 to $60 million to $60 to $61 million. Our mileage cadence is proceeding ahead of plan, and our attrition appears to be tracking well below our 3 to 4% earlier estimate. We also expect that we will remain profitable during 2021. Now back to Ralph for some final thoughts, and then we'll be happy to take your questions. Thank you, Alan. Before we take your questions, I would like to express my gratitude to my ShotSpotter colleagues, our customers, and the communities they serve. You are all doing amazing work that is making our community safer. Thank you. We're now ready to take your questions. Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. Our first question is from Richard Baldry with Ross Capital Partners. Please go ahead. Thanks, uh, and congrats on a great quarter. Um, I'm sort of curious how the sales and marketing or what were the drivers of the sales and marketing step up? Uh, it's up about you know, ballpark 30% sequentially, which is a lot for you guys. Was it about, you know, commissions on large deals, headcounts coming in? You know, sort of we can think about where the, that step up came from. Sure, this is Alan. Um, it was increase in the actual personnel we, uh, versus first quarter of 2020. We have uh, additional people in the sales and marketing, both sales and marketing side. There's also an expansion in the customer success, which a portion of that um, cost actually does hit sales and marketing as well. Okay. Um, can you talk to me broadly about the you know, pipeline of large deals, sort of the mega city deals, and whether this move back to an earmark world, you know, highlighted in the release, how you think that will play into some of those, whether you think there's a potential that could be a, a sort of a game changer on the funding side. Yeah, so this is Ralph. I'll start now and uh, jump in. I mean, we're seeing a nice uh, uh, complement or mix of uh, both small, medium, and large cities, and I always say we, we shouldn't discount the medium cities because they can grow into being fairly substantial uh, deployments of over, you know, 15 square miles. We have a number of examples of non-Tier 1 or Tier 0 cities uh, stepping up to that level, you know, Las Vegas, Birmingham, Washington, D.C., uh, et cetera. Um, as I mentioned in my prepared remarks, we're seeing some very encouraging uh, movement on Tier 4 and Tier 5. Um, the deals are smaller, but they seem to be happening uh, quicker. Um, and we're building the pipeline there. 
And we're also seeing some really interesting, I'll call it kind of geographic tipping points. I think you've heard us talk about geographic tipping points that we've seen uh, in Ohio. Um, we're really um, um, constructive around what we're seeing in Florida. We think there's a lot of activity in Florida that we can uh, build on uh, previously successful uh, deployments there. And, of course, we have our uh, pilot uh, program that's going very well uh, in Houston. Uh, and we think Houston could be the gateway into uh, Texas, which would represent a very large opportunity for us. Um, with respect to earmarks, um, earmarks are uh, making their way back. Uh, previous when I joined the company uh, back in mid-2010 when earmarks were available, uh, we got more than our fair share along with our customers of kind of earmark activity. So we're really quite encouraged by earmarks uh, coming back because uh, it is an additional uh, funding stream that our customers uh, could use to be able uh, to deploy or expand ShotSpotter. We've got a number of plays um, uh, in process now with uh, existing customers and prospects on the earmark front, so we're really encouraged by that. It last for me. Could you talk a little bit about the sales cycle around the Connect offering now that it's been in place a little bit? seems like you've had some early success and there's some deployments to come up soon. You know, how do you feel about your, your marketing processes behind that and the sales cycle itself, how it's changing, targeting the right sort of municipalities, et cetera? Thanks. Yeah, so we're very much on a learning curve there, um, and I won't say that we have it 100% figured out, but we've made a lot of progress over the past, I would say, 9 to 12 months. And as I mentioned uh, in my prepared comments, uh, we seem to be hitting our stride. Um, we're really excited about the notion of kind of taking our uh, kind of marketing engine and pointing it to uh, potential prospects that aren't already existing customers, um, and that's going to be really quite uh, exciting. And, again, we're seeing some really strong um, attraction within our install base of Respond uh, deployments. And we think as those customers get some experience and kind of start the virtuous cycle of kind of reference selling, which has really been key to our success in Respond, um, that we should see uh, that business uh, accelerate. So all, all good news in um, ShotSpotter Connect. But, again, I, I won't say that we've got it completely dialed in. I think we can definitely still learn some things and uh, do even better. But we're excited about the progress we've made to date. Great. Thanks. Our next question is from Will Power with Baird. Please go ahead. Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll try a couple here. Um, you know, Ralph, yeah, it's nice to see what appears to be improving momentum with ShotSpotter, you know, respond. I wonder if you could just update us, uh, given the trends you're seeing, the funding environment, you know, how you're thinking about, you know, the overall growth opportunity for Respond in, in just the U.S. over the next, you know, couple of years, say, you know, two, three years. Any changes in, in outlook there? Yes, I think we become more positive. I think kind of going back um, nine months or so ago when we're kind of coming, um, just being presented with the pandemic, I think there's a lot of concern around uh, the funding environment, which has, you know, changed dramatically uh, of late, uh, more, more positive than I think it's ever been since I've been actually with the company with all the federal stimulus dollars being pointed at uh, local uh, law enforcement aid or local municipalities that are, you know, allocating some of those dollars to uh, their police departments. That's probably stronger than it's ever been. And then you throw earmarks on top of that. That's quite encouraging. So that's kind of gone from a you know, gee, we might be a little bit concerned given the recession and the pandemic to, wow, we're really positive. I think early on, too, if you go back kind of nine months or so ago with, you know, calls to defund the police and social unrest, I, there were some concerns around, like, how that could play out. I mean, were, you know, uh, kind of some of these organized powers, uh, were they going to effectively, you know, freeze police departments from kind of moving forward using technology to provide uh, better public safety outcomes? And, in fact, the opposite of that has been true. I think a lot of these calls for defund the police ultimately evolve into reforming police and asking police to uh, be more efficient, uh, effective, and equitable, really important on the equitable piece, and how they apply uh, their uh, law enforcement resources to co-produce public safety outcomes. That's very consistent with the message that we've been on for a number of years. We're just not kind of – creating the message to respond to the time. We've always been on the notion that technology can be a very powerful uh, tool to help police departments uh, better serve 
uh, at-risk underserved communities, particularly around gun violence. So that that thing has changed, you know, like 180 degrees from, say, nine months ago. Um, we're seeing good success, again, in Tier 4, Tier 5. I think our plans have probably gone as good or even better than we expected when we originally hatched the idea of, you know, you know focusing very um, specifically on, you know, smaller agencies that might have a one or two square mile problem and, you know, package up something that could be relevant for them. And now we're beginning to see some of the tipping points uh, play out there uh, from a um, vertical point of view. So Tier 4, Tier 5 uh, police departments and their respective chiefs kind of tend to collaborate and talk to one another. So we think as we get more traction in some of these smaller cities, that should uh, accelerate. And then my last point will be, again, um, not to underestimate the uh, regional uh, tipping points that are in play, because I think those in, in total really do represent uh, multiple kind of tier one cities. When you aggregate a bunch of uh, medium-sized cities, say in the state of Ohio, it could represent something fairly big and significant. Again, we're really, really encouraged by what we're seeing uh, in Florida, more to come there. And again, we're, we're still in the very nascent uh, stages of working in um, Texas through our Houston uh, pilot, but the word back, and I think they publicly talk about some of the results that they're generating um, in Houston, very, very positive there. And I think if we can break open the Texas uh, market, there's a number of very, very interesting uh, cities and police departments in Texas we can partner with on shots. I'm just talking about shots part respond, by the way, domestically. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, it just it feels like a more encouraging environment there. I, I guess a second question, you know, great to see, you know, Investigate launch. Uh, any, any color just on where you are from a capability standpoint? I mean, is it kind of so-called fully baked? Do you have the pieces you want, or is there is there more to continue to build there? A, and, and then B, maybe just update us or remind us, kind of go-to-market, you know, strategy for that now that it's available. Yeah, Alan, do you, you want to take that one, and I'll, I'll jump in. Sure. Yeah, no, this is Alan. So, so basically, we are ahead of schedule on Investigate versus where we thought we would be at the end of last quarter. So that's that's good news. Um, we are looking at potentially selling it based on the number of agencies or the number of police in each agency, and the pricing uh, will, will differ based on that. So if you have someone that has a small number of uh, police, they could get a uh, investigate might be as low as you know fifty thousand dollars could be significantly higher than that as we mentioned before for larger cities with the greater number of police uh, in their agency. Yeah, okay. I think and overall go to market. Yeah, yeah, overall say, I mean, it's very very much a direct. Um, there, there's very much a direct selling effort, and uh, we have recently brought on some specific headcount to have a vertical focus going specifically at the case management opportunity. In fact, um, uh, that new hire just literally started in the past 30 days or so. So we're, we're being pretty intentional around. And I think from a feature point of view, we, we think this is a fully featured, very strong case management solution. This is something that um, we have a lot of experience with uh, through our uh, colleagues at Leeds that had um, a number of years supporting a, a case management solution at a very large Tier 1 or Tier 0 uh, police department agency that has effectively been using um, a very intentional case management solution to drive better outcomes in terms of case closure. So we think we have something really interesting, compelling, and unique to offer this uh, marketplace. Um, we're already seeing a little bit of inbound chatter just based on our early press release this morning. This is something that um, – the market really wants um, because there's not a police department that's out there that isn't under some amount of pressure to do better on closing cases because closing cases is what allows you to have victim resolution and really, frankly, kind of put these um, uh, perpetrators that are probably drive most of the violent crime problem or just crime problem in general, uh, they drive most of the crime problems. So the extent that you can be super focused and get to uh, interventions that then lead to convic convictions, uh, is very important, and um, so we think we're on we're on point uh, with our case management solution version 1.0. Okay, thank you. Our next question is from Mike Latimore with Northland Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Great, thanks. Yeah, great quarter there. Um, 
You, you mentioned uh, the sales cycle improving a little bit. Was that was that kind of a broad comment across all categories here, or was it specific to, like, you know, tier four or five cities, that sort of thing? Yeah, my, my comments were very specifically focused on tier four, tier five. You know, smaller miles, okay. smaller dollars because we're dealing with smaller miles. And it's just the, uh, you know, less bureaucracy when you're kind of dealing with uh, smaller agencies from what it appears like. I mean, we're, again, really quite encouraged. I think the larger deals in larger agencies, a lot more people have to be involved and, you know, nod their head yes to move forward. We're finding that to be uh, less true in the Tier 4 to Tier 5 uh, segment, which then reduces the cell uh, cycles. Yeah, um, and then, did you give uh, miles added in the quarter, um, or do you have that number? No, we, we did it's not, down, and I yeah. think it really yeah. kind of – yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Alan, sorry. No, I'd say no, no, we didn't, but, uh, you know, obviously we have mentioned that the acceleration of our, our core business is uh, is going well, and we added, you know, six new cities to the quarter. That's, that's the first time we've done that in a long time, so – um, yeah, we're hoping that that sort of tells the story of what we're seeing. Yeah. All right, got it. And then on the uh, case management offering, you know, how complicated is the implementation? Is, is it sort of easy to do, you know, get it in in a month, or is this, a, you know, several quarter implementation? Yeah, so we don't have any direct experience with that yet, but our expectation is this is going to be uh, much more of an enterprise um, a solution set. Um, we'll probably need to integrate it with RMS uh, systems and the like. So it, it will probably be somewhat similar to what we've experienced in um, ShotSpotter uh, Respond or ShotSpotter uh, Connect, um, where there's uh, definitely some work that needs to be done to kind of integrate our technology into uh, existing systems and move forward. But it's not too heavy of a lift, uh, we, we believe, and we don't think that it uh, would slow us down from being able to have successful uh, deployments. Great, thank you. Our next question is from Matt Fau with William Blair. Please go ahead. Hey, thanks, guys, and, and nice results. Wanted to uh, ask about the lower churn expectation, and is this driven by the fact that you got over some renewals that you thought were potentially at risk to churn. I know you mentioned one customer that ended up renewing and expanding that was a potential at-risk customer, or is it more driven by just the conversations you're, you're having with customers that are up for renewal this year have, have improved? Sure, this is Alan. Um, basically, there's a couple things. I mean, as Ralph mentioned, the funding is, is a lot better than it was in the past, which is uh, excellent. I mean, obviously, even in 2020, we had less than 1% of attrition. Um, still expected that the budget challenges might continue into 21. So far, what we're seeing is that uh, things are working out pretty well with that. Um, so we do, we did say that uh, we expect it to be much lower than we had mentioned last quarter, which was less than uh, 3 to 4%. Um, it could be significantly less than, than 3 to 4% based on what we're seeing now. Um, so it is the budget as well as what our sales team is seeing in, in renewals. Yeah, and I think if I could just maybe add a quick macro a macro comment too. I think we're just finding that our solution is very compelling to customers that once they get it deployed and using it, it's really really difficult for them to um, um, walk away from that. Kind of once they see the unseen, I mean, it's really hard. Not to say that it's 100%, but I think it's very it's a very sticky uh, solution to be sure. Great. And, and then, yeah, just last one for me, wanted to ask if, uh, you know, the supply chain issues and chip shortage are having any impact on your ability to source components or, or go through this 3G uh, refresh. Sure, this is Alan. Um, no, and, and it's mainly because we've been planning for this for a couple years. We have actually worked with our supplier of sensors um, and all the parts that go into that uh, in for pretty much over a year now. So we did order some things in advance, and uh, it's turning out to have been excellent decisions there. Great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. 
Our next question is from Ryan Kimbrell with Craig Hallum. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. Congrats on the momentum and a strong quarter. Um, you know, you touched on it in your prepared remarks, and there's obviously been some buzz around the American Rescue Plan and the $130 billion going to state and local municipalities. But do you guys have any visibility around, you know, how much of that might go to local police forces? And, you know, if possible, could you quantify the benefit you think you might see from that? Yeah, this is Ralph. That's a tough one to answer. I think where we have an interest, i.e., you know, existing customers or prospects, uh, we're feeling good about um, our customers and prospects being able to tap in to those dollars um, uh, to the extent is needed because I think for many of our customers, they have existing resources that can be applied either to as a new prospect or as an existing customer that wants to renew or expand. So I, I don't know that I'd be in a position to comment on the more macro perspective on how municipalities are using those dollars um, for, you know, police versus non-police. I, I do have an observation of general municipal budgets. You know, police departments tend to be a significant portion of any city's budget. You can think of in terms of kind of 30% to 50% uh, public safety in general, if you want to include fire in there. So they, they tend to get a fair share of uh, resources when they're applied because they represent fairly big portions of any city's budget. Okay, fair enough. That helps. And then on the lead side of things, can you, you know, can you tell us some of the things you're working on, whether it be technological advancements, new capabilities, or even from a sales perspective that you're doing to push the word out there and gain traction with new customers? And that's it for me. Yeah, so this is Alan. Pick that Alan or? Yeah, sure. In terms of leads, I, we feel pretty good with the large customer they have right now in terms of uh, keeping that, uh, those amount of services that they're providing there. Uh, hopefully that grows over time. Uh, some of the things that leads does provide though is potentially available or might be good for other cities as well. Um, one of the, the key things there is why we launched Investigate. Uh, the Investigate was a product that was originally you know, worked on by leads and using that, uh, taking that case management, we believe that's be the, the best way that we'll be able to expand to other cities with the new product. Great. Thanks, guys, and congrats again. Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one on your telephone. Our next question is from Brian Ruttenberg with the Imperial Capital. Please go ahead. Great. Thank you very much. A um, couple quick questions on, uh, on the one on funding and two on competition. Uh, on terms of federal funding coming down in the stimulus, uh, you know, upcoming stimulus packages, what do you see as set-asides uh, and do you see set-asides uh, for your company? Yeah, oh, so so down. I just so I'm clear on your question. Just so I'm clear on your question. Yeah, just so I'm clear on your question. When you say set-asides, do you mean specific dollars allocated to acoustic gunshot detection? Is that what you mean? Or? Uh, I, well, it's not going to be that specific. But what you see, uh, maybe set-asides is a – I've been doing this a long time. I shouldn't have said set-asides. Uh, funding coming down from the federal government that will go to uh, local and state law enforcement – that you will be able to um, uh, be a part of. How's that? Yeah, so th this is Alan. Yeah, go, go ahead, Alan. Echo what Ralph had said earlier. I mean, we do know that the dollars are getting through this, some of the states and some of the cities. Um, we're not 100% sure exactly how that is going to end up in the police departments, although based on the information that we are seeing in the our existing customers and, and new cities, um, it does seem to be some of it flowing there. But, you know, again, as Ralph mentioned earlier, it's, it's a little too early to know for sure, but so far things seem pretty positive. Okay, so you don't have any dollar amounts uh, as in $100 million that you see flowing down that you could, uh, you know, uh, be part of uh, that you could get funding from uh, directly or indirectly? There's no numbers that you have floating around out there on that? No, because it's all done at the city level. It's all done at okay. the city level. The city decides how to allocate those dollars. 
once they get it. Okay. Uh, okay. So hopefully less of a dumb question on the next one uh, will be uh, competition. Uh, and and uh, if you could just talk about what you see, uh, and I think will has been brought up before, but with Alarm.com, uh, others out there uh, moving into the space, I know Alarm.com is doing things on indoor shot detection, but uh, anything that you see out there, uh, you know, in terms of gunshot location and the competition uh, coming up, anything new? Yeah, so I this is Alan. Alan. So basically, yeah, I think, you know, in terms of the, the gunshot detection, our normal response, we really don't see any other competition that's been significant, certainly in the outdoor side. And, and you know, we haven't been focused on the indoor gunshot detection for quite some time. Um, we do expect that there might be some competition uh, against us in the connect and the investigate once they're, uh, you know, ramped up, certainly connect. Um, there might be some investigate. We'll, we'll find out more um, as we start selling it and actually selling the product. And where would that competition be coming from? Would that be the large guys like a, a Motorola, or would that be coming from an Axon? I mean, who do you see out there as up and comer or the big guys? Yeah, so I think on ShotSpotter Investigate, the form of competition we would expect to see is uh, our folks that provide a record management systems that have built features, I'll call them light features, non-intentional features around investigative case management. Um, so for some for some clients out there, that very well could potentially address their needs around case management. Uh, we think there's a very large market opportunity of customers that require a much more, I, I would say, kind of intentional, robust case management uh, solution that is really feature-rich, that provides for a lot of um, uh, digitization, automation, collaboration between various investigative units and the like. And unless you've really kind of built it that way from the ground up, I think it's challenging for a existing RMS provider that's really focused on record management systems to go off and do that. Uh, but we're we're kind of going into this market with our eyes wide open, and probably the biggest competitor is kind of do nothing. Although we think we have some very compelling um, uh, uh, features to offer a uh, agency to get them off of the do nothing to be able to do something that would allow them to uh, drive much higher closure rates, and we think that's just a direct um, uh, ROI case that, frankly, we haven't even had in shot spotter responding acoustic gunshot detection. There's, it's very clear to us that if you can, you know, measurably improve closure rates um, from, you know, X percent to Y percent, uh, you're going to get people's attention. And so we, we feel pretty good about what we've built. And, again, we have a lot of experience um, through our uh, leads collaboration and uh, designing, developing, and supporting a uh, case management solution that, again, a large, you know, tier one, tier zero city or police agencies using with a great deal of uh, positive outcomes and effect. Uh, they've got one of the higher closure rates out there, and it's probably in part due to the integrated case management solution that they are using built by the LEADS uh, organization that we're now using that same kind of processor capability for our uh, ShotSpotter uh, Investigate platform. Great. Thank you very much. Our next question is from Jess Kessler with Imperial Capital. Please go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're, we're tag-teaming on this one. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> hey, Jeff. Jeff, I thought you were, you were supposed to be fishing. <laughs> uh, not yet. Not yet. i got two more days. Um, on uh, the question, you know, we a lot of the questions have been asked today about a lot of money slogging around out there that could potentially go to the cities. And I'm just wondering, instead of maybe looking forward a little bit, looking backward and looking at some, uh, a couple of the, you know, the cities that, you know, where you've lost some mileage o over the last several years, have you been with, with the, with more money to be spent out there at the city level? And number two, with a fuller set of solutions, uh, for, for 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 cities, have you been contacted by any former clients that they they want to see you again or want to hear from you again? 
So this is Ralph. Um, I think we mentioned, again, during our prepared remarks, there was one customer that publicly stated that they were not planning to renew ShotSpotter as a result of this, these funding streams coming in. They not only reversed their position and are now renewing their ShotSpotter deployment, but they're also planning to expand their ShotSpotter deployment. Um, I think there's a case of another uh, customer again. No, that's kind of why, why I asked the question. I want to know whether there's there's, there's others there's others that are out that may, that may be out yeah. there. I think I think a lot of what we're feeling is kind of embedded, hopefully, in um, the, the way our confidence that you're hopefully hearing about how we executed the Q1 and how we're thinking about the rest of the year. I think we're fairly, uh, you know, carefully, thoughtfully kind of bullish on what we see, and I think we try to lay out the factors that are uh, kind of supporting our thesis and supporting the idea that we raise guidance. I mean, again, we're we're ahead of plan on um, shot spotter. Uh, respond. We see a number of projects that are in the near-term uh, 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 product, or excuse me, uh, ShotSpotter respond pipeline from a go-live point of view, where the timing is very attractive, kind of happening in kind of, you know, obviously already Q1, and then soon to be Q2, and then early Q3. That drives gap revenue growth. We're seeing lower attrition that we talked about. Originally, we estimated 3%. I think we've been pretty clear that our expectations is we're going to come in uh, well below that. And um, we're also just seeing um, a very strong uh, attach rate, if you will, to ShotSpotter uh, Connect within our existing install base that is looking very positive and good. And we're hitting our stride there. And we're talking about kind of opening up the kimono, so to speak, to go drive a pipeline uh, for ShotSpotter Connect outside of our traditional install base of 120-so customers that are using ShotSpotter Respond. We just talked about we're ahead of plan on announcing ShotSpotter Investigate, our case management solution, um, and this is now a demonstrable and installable solution by customers. So we can start the pipeline development process for ShotSpotter Investigate. So all those things together um, are, is make, they're making us feel pretty good, combined with the overall funding environment. And for police departments and police departments that are really – rethinking how they go about the business of protecting and serving uh, their communities, which is kind of causing them to uh, maybe stop in their tracks a little bit and look to solution providers like ShotSpotter and others, frankly, that can help them uh, be more successful. Um, and one final question. Um, I know you, you alluded to this, but with regard to Connect um, and perhaps, you know, and, and this probably touches the other parts of ShotSpotter as well, um, what uh, that you 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 know you you have you have invested in in, in analytics code writers, and I'm wondering um, if you could open your kimono a little bit and just perhaps talk about some of the direction that these analytics are are trying to are, are trying to take you. What types what type of value proposition and what types of uh, what types of solutions? Do you think you could you can add through the use of more code writing? Yes, yeah, this so is Al. This is Ralph. Um, sorry. Go ahead, Ralph. No, go ahead. Ooh, After you. Get excited over me. This is great. This is. No, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is Alan. I, I I think I think we know in terms of Connect really what we're doing there with the patrol management. Uh, the capability that we are providing for the customers there and the future customers is something that they're all looking for. Um, I do think that there's probably some additional, you know, R&D that we could do and would continue to do to make sure that the, as the cities use them, they say, hey, could you do this? We'd like this as well. Those are things we can continue to add to the technology. I think Investigate, you know, we have a pretty good product that's almost, you know, 100% ready there. But we'll see the same thing as we start selling that, too. Um, and we do have an R&D team, both it leads and it's ShotSpotter, that has significant number of uh, people that can help us build new things for the products as well. Because yeah. what I'm yeah. trying to do is data science, it, it's a virtuous circle. You, know, you, you, you provide them with a solution, and they find, and your customers, if they like it enough, they may come back to you. Uh, and ask you for you know for for more things to do that you're going to have to obviously that that you're going to have to that you're going to have to uh, derive from some 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 more analytics and then that could provide some more you know, some
some more value to what you can charge. Yeah, no, no question. I, not to comment on the charging piece, but I think data science is core to what we do. And I'm hoping we're, we're, we're not going to be waiting for customers to tell us what they want. I think we're going to hopefully be offering them, based on what we see, value-added solutions. I mean, data science really kind of started a lot with our machine learning capability around our um, ShotSpotter response solution, where we're applying data, machine learning data science to uh, be able to drive um, much more efficient classification of these pops, booms, and bangs that we're con- converting to gunshots, if in fact they are gunshots using data and data science and machine learning to do that. Uh, certainly, as Alan pointed out, uh, that's really core to uh, ShotSpotter Connect. And in the future, it can be core to, frankly, ShotSpotter uh, Investigate. You can imagine it doesn't take, you know, a, a great deal of imagination to see once you start collecting a bunch of data and begin to see patterns in things, you can offer up um, um, recommendations about how to pursue a case uh, based on watching a, you know, uh, a, um, a really productive investigator um, uh, close cases and then be able to apply that to maybe uh, less experienced or less productive uh, investigators to kind of bring them up to par to make everybody a fantastic detective. Wouldn't that be awesome in using data to be able to do that? Um, there's a there's an amazing opportunity to do that to to kind of move the ball forward there, and that's why it's so exciting to be so focused on case management. It's like we don't have to be distracted with RMS uh, the way other folks are. They're thinking about adding features to RMS that might be case management. We're all in 100% on case management. We think that can allow us to innovate going forward to not only you know drive a much more competitive position, but as you suggest, possibly being able to charge more down the line as we add more capabilities to the solution set. Great. Okay, that was great. And thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, enjoy. Thank you. It's been a great working with you. Really appreciate it. At this time, this concludes our question and answer session. If your question was not taken, you may contact ShotSpotter's Investor Relations team by emailing SSTI at gatewayir.com. I'd now like to turn the conference back over to Mr. Clark for his closing remarks. Chris, thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate uh, everyone's uh, questions and their support uh, over the past um, several quarters. Uh, we're really quite anxious to kind of get back to work and uh, close out what we think is going to be an outstanding uh, year uh, for the company and working with police departments uh, throughout the world, hopefully, to help them uh, drive better uh, public safety outcomes. Thanks again. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating, and have a pleasant day.